You're listening to From Heaven and Hope, a weekly podcast where Nicole Frazier brings you conversations from those who have been affected by grief. Whether a parent, child, friend, counselor, pastor, or philanthropist, everyone moves through and conquers grief in their own way. We know that what you're facing is a long road, but no matter how dark that road is, there will always be light. There will always be purpose. From where they are in heaven to the hope you need to move forward, we want to help you on that journey. Here is today's episode. Welcome to episode two of season two of From Heaven and Hope. Today, we are joined by Kelsey Bobka, who Lori connects with me deeply because her son, Bain, passed away from cycle disorder, the same genetic condition that my son, Brady, my son, Levi, and myself suffer with. Listen to her story, what she's done with her grief, what she's done with her life after loss, and how she memorializes Bain is truly inspiring. Please welcome Kelsey. Hi, Kelsey. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. So, I mean, we connected on Instagram and my son, two sons actually, and myself have the same disorder that Bean did. So um, I'm looking forward to chatting with you today, but why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and why you're here today? Well, I don't know. It's It's a weird thing after, so I had a child, my oldest son, he passed away at um, seven years old from OTC deficiency. And I guess why I'm here today is I just want to raise awareness. I want to tell his story. He left a legacy behind. I want to tell his legacy. And I just, I hope that his story will save somebody. And I also just hope like the same as you, we go through these hard things in life and we turn to other people that inspire us to keep going. And so I hope that maybe my story will affect somebody in a positive light. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's kind of the whole point of the podcast, right? Is to offer validation and encouragement on your Mm -hmm. grief journey. So, so when your son Bane passed away, he was seven, correct? Yes. Uh Yeah. When you think about grieving together with your spouse and he was the oldest, there wasn't any other kids at that point or were there? There were kids. We had two, um, but Bane was still the oldest. We had two and I actually was pregnant with my fourth. Okay. Okay. So So when you, when you think about grieving together with your spouse, especially when you're trying to take care of other kids, how did you navigate that? And did you grieve differently? And, And how do you support each other through those, through those really tough times? We grieve very differently. And there was somebody who came through the viewing line for Bain's viewing. And they said to my husband, they didn't say it to me, they said to him, they said, you guys will grieve differently and just make sure that you still talk about it and that you try to have empathy for each other and try to understand each other and where you're coming from. And I thought when my husband told me about that, I thought, well, that's weird. Like we both lost the same child. Like we're going to grieve together. Right. And then as time went on and I, I was going to therapy and he had gone to therapy and I remember talking to my therapist and I said, he, I said, I cry all the time. Cause I thought, you know, you lose a child. That's what you do. You cry. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but my husband, he doesn't cry very much, but he seems to get like mad about the situation. And I said, and 
so I don't think he's doing it right. Like, that's what I said to the therapist. And she said, no, he's told, it does not matter how you grieve. It doesn't matter what emotion that you show. She's like, it's totally fine that he gets mad and that you cry. He doesn't have to cry. And I thought like, that's amazing, you know, and I'm glad that I was going to therapy and that I got to learn that because in my mind, I felt like we were drifting apart and I felt like he wasn't doing it right and he was not going to be okay. And I was like judging him or whatever. So yeah, it was, it was hard to figure that out. But once I figured that out and I held space for him and he always held space for me, but once I figured out how to hold space for him, I felt like our grief journey began to evolve and we got like deeper conversations and deeper meaning behind things. And so anyways, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, if you don't, if you don't know that, or you don't acknowledge that in the beginning, then it is, mm-hmm. it does feel like it's this whole other thing to navigate. Like it, you're, yeah. you're navigating your marriage and is it, is it okay? Like yeah. all while trying to grieve your child, which is extremely tough. And it's so tough. And it's so scary Yeah, because like you lose this child, you don't want to lose your partner. No. And yeah. so it's, it can be scary. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely empathize with that for sure. So you mentioned a little bit about going to therapy. So logistically speaking in those kind of early days, what were the sort of logistical things that you did to try and make yourself not necessarily feel better, but just move through that process? I went to therapy. I didn't love going to therapy, but I did it because I knew I, I probably needed it. And I was so scared messing up my kids. (laughs) If you want to even say that, you know, but I was so scared that I'm like, what if I don't allow them what they need from me? What if I'm not giving them what a mother needs to give their child after losing a sibling Mm -hmm. or what, or I needed to give my husband what he needed. And so I I did therapy because I knew I needed to. And I learned quite a bit from therapy and I, I am grateful I went. I felt like I used to just put the kids to bed. Me and my husband, we'd come to bed. He would watch a show or something and I would go walking And I felt like me just walking by myself, I could process things, right? And so I loved that. And then my biggest thing that helped me the most is I love learning about people. I love learning about why you do the things you do, why your brain works the way it works. And so I kind of like dove into like online therapy type stuff. Like I try to read about why the brain works. I try to reading about trauma how it affects you. And I'm grateful I did that because I think that that brought me full circle Mm -hmm. and really helped me like, and I have so much more to learn. Like that's not a question, but it helped me understand like everybody in my family a little bit better. And it gave me empathy. So, yeah, that's really, that's really good advice and really, I guess, special too to learn to understand like to empathize with other people all while you're probably like the primary griever in this case, Mm -hmm. but yeah, but but everybody's still hurting too. Yeah. Everyone hurts. And I think when you figure out, cause I did not know how to empathize with people, I think until Bane died, Bane's death. And after that has really taught me. And I just think it's such an important tool in life because no one's the same. We don't understand why people do what they do. Right. Mm -hmm. So to like learn how to empathize, you know, 
Yeah, definitely. After all this happened, I mean, did you develop any kind of anxiety for yourself or fear for yourself or your kids just, you know, regarding really anything, but I would imagine more towards the health and wellness kind of perspective. Mm -hmm. I did towards death. Like I just thought, you know, Bane dies. And I thought I can't have another child die. Like (laughs) this is it. We have to be done. Um, and so I got a little nervous that way. And then my daughter, I'm just a carrier of OTC. So I don't get sick the way Bane got sick. Um, some women do, you know, but I, I don't. Yeah. I'm the same. And so my daughter, when she got tested and was positive, they, the doctor said she won't get sick, you know, because I have two daughters and the younger one has tested positive for OTC. And so she gets sick and she gets sick like Bane. And so when she gets sick, I go into this, like it brings up all the emotions of watching Bane and I, it's a huge trigger for me. And I have to like talk myself down. Like, I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. Like we know now we know how to take care of this if it happens, but she's never gotten too sick, but I don't know. And then I just, I, I was always nervous before, I guess sometimes, but I get nervous about my husband too. You know, I'm like, I can't lose my spouse. So death is very much like a trigger, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And we like, you can talk a little bit more about OTC later on, but it does present differently in males and females. So that Uh also, uh, just for anybody listening who doesn't know that, who maybe with that reference with your daughter, having it may jump to that conclusion, but as your children grow up and even now, how do you, how do you share their brother with them? How do you continue to kind of keep him a part of your life and yeah, theirs? Well, they, I am great. I'm so grateful that they were young when he passed away because they were young enough to know him, but, or they were old enough to know him, but young enough to like, (laughs) keep his memory going and almost in like a weird, like sometimes it would feel weird. So we'd be sitting at the dinner table and they're like, Bane is going to sit there. (laughs) And I was like, well, no, you know, (laughs) I don't know, just weird things like that. Or they would go, my daughter, she was four when he passed away. So Bane was seven and she was four. And then my other daughter was 18 months. And um, my four-year-old, she would, we'd be going through the grocery store and she'd, wonder what she should get like what kind of cereal do I want this cereal or that cereal and she would be like she would say Bane what cereal should I get and I just remember being like cringing like oh this is so weird like people are gonna walk past me and think what is this girl doing you know and but now I'm grateful for those moments Mm -hmm. you know what I mean I'm grateful that they kept that memory alive and they kind of pushed me to keep his memory alive do you know what I mean and so now Like if I don't go to the grave, when I should go to the grave, they, they're like, we need to go see Bane. We need to go decorate his headstone. We always, every holiday, we usually do something for him on his like angel versary. We usually try and serve someone in his honor on his birthday. We still celebrate his birthday. He's still a huge part of our lives. You know? Yeah. Yeah, It sounds like your kids too. Don't his memory doesn't induce fear for them it's just Mm -hmm. that's that's just how their brother is a part of their life right he's sort of in the air in the clouds wherever in heaven wherever you believe yes he is Mm -hmm. which is nice that's a nice Mm -hmm. way for them to know him so but over time I mean you mentioned a little bit like death is a trigger for you but have there been any other triggers for you as 
as time has passed? And if so, like, how do you, how do you manage those? So I had, I was thinking about this earlier and I had the, and I kind of feel, what is the word I'm looking for? I feel weird telling you this because I feel like it's very childish. Um, but there was a trigger and it happened probably two years after he had passed away. Mm-hmm. And this lady who I follow on Instagram, she's, she doesn't really know who I am. She's, she's in our community, but she's just somebody that does good for other people. And then she's funny. And anyway, so I'm following her and she's talking about her son and she's crying in the car with him. Cause she's just like, he's growing up. I'm so sad. He's growing up. Mm-hmm. And I like, oh, I just got so mad. And I thought you should be so grateful he's growing up, you know? And I feel, and I, and I know how that sounds like that sounds so childish. And I'm always like a cheerleader for everyone. I want everyone to succeed in life. But for whatever reason, in that moment, I got so mad. Yeah. And I just was like, you should be grateful, you know? And, and I'm embarrassed to say that, but it's truth. You know, it happened. Yeah. So, yeah. And how did you, like, how did you get, how did you get through that? I just, I have learned, like, if I'm going to be mad, let myself be mad. If I'm going to have a hard day, I had a hard day. It was a few months ago, um, Mother's Day. Yeah. And I thought, okay, I'm going to sit here in my bed. I'm going to allow myself to feel sad and feel sorry for myself Mm. for 30 minutes. And then at 30 minutes, I'm going to get up and I'm going to do what I need to do for the day. And so for me personally, I feel like just allowing myself to fill it but giving myself also, cause for me, I need like a goal. So giving myself the time I need and then pulling myself out of it. Yeah. And I think that's important. I think you can't just shove things down and say, Oh, I don't have time to feel that way. And sometimes you do. Right. But mm-hmm. I think, I think it's okay to feel sorry for yourself sometimes a little bit. Like we're human. Yeah. So figures yeah. like that one, like you mentioned, they, they they're unexpected. You can't, you can't help the way you're just react. And sometimes it's just a body reaction. You just heart pounding, like yeah. clenching, like it's, it, it's hard yeah. to navigate. So I think you're right. Like there's nothing too childish or too weird or too late. Like it does, it could be mm-hmm. years later and something yes. just, just hits you the wrong way. Grief is a weird thing. So it is weird. And we don't mean like, you don't mean to, cause I knew in that moment, I knew I was getting upset over something weird, right? Like I could yeah, feel her. It was about, it was about how you felt. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's hard. And that's hard to communicate to other people. Like if it happens in front of somebody or potentially to, it comes across as it's being to somebody else. It's not mm-hmm. just, it's just your journey. Yeah. Yes. Do you find any, like your, your kids growing up, like hitting new milestones, maybe hit to get their seventh birthday. Cause they would have had that after being passed mm-hmm. away. Um, like, were those triggers for you? Were those ever hard for you ever milestones or bittersweet, I guess? I know I, my daughter, I, it wasn't hard when she hit seven. Mm-hmm. I just thought, well, it was more like she hit seven and then the death date. Right. Cause right. like Bane was seven in July and then he died in November. So, she, and she also is July. So she turned seven in July and then past November. And it wasn't hard. I remember, like I thought about it. I remember preparing myself in case it was hard, but 
that wasn't hard. The hard thing for me is watching my friends, their little boys Mm. who are the same age as Bane. Right. And I think, oh man, I wonder if he would be doing that or would he be doing this now? Or, you know, what would he be like? And so yeah, like grieving the future, right? Like it's never over because you're always going to grieve what should have been. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. That definitely completely makes sense. Yeah. So was there any, anything that people did for you, like right following Bane's passing that were, was really helpful? Was there anything that was not helpful? And if you were the person in like in the reverse, like if you were someone supporting, how would you show up for a friend in need? So I always thought the mills were nice. Cause like, it's hard to even want to like, I don't know, like be a mom, mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. and stuff like so I thought that was nice because I'm like my family gets to be fed even though I'm <laughs> not the one necessarily feeding them so I think mills are wonderful and when I've talked to other people who've lost spouses or children or they always say mills is very helpful because it's just something you don't have to worry about you don't have to prepare it you don't have to clean it up yeah and so for me that was very helpful it's so hard because so many people did so many things for us. Like mm-hmm. I loved when anyone just kept his memory alive. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause they're, it's so hard. You have this child and then you don't have this child. Mm-hmm. So to keep, to keep the memory alive, like I had my uncle made like little stickers that we could put on our cars, you know, like, I don't know. I love stuff like that. I really loved everything that anyone did yeah. letters I thought that was really neat. We had people send us letters that didn't even know us. And I thought that was neat to read them and read their experience. They always told me it usually came with an experience. Like I've lost my child or, Mm -hmm. but that was comforting because you don't know who to talk to. Yeah. So I don't know. It can be lonely for sure. mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything that you would not do? Like that you would say, do not do that if someone is specifically, I guess, grieving children. Right. You know, I think I'm very different in this aspect because I feel like, um, I always understood that everyone had their best intention. Mm -hmm. And so I never took, there were a few things said to me where I'm like, Ooh, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. I never really like took it bad because I thought they don't know what to say. And I, I don't know what I would say to somebody like me. And then even now, like my sister-in-law, my husband's wife, she just lost her spouse in June. And there's times I'm like, I don't even know what to do. Like you think I would know because I lost a child, but I don't know. Yeah. So I don't know. I think I'm different in that way. In I don't know. I, I guess the advice I usually give people is I say, bring it up. And if the person wants to talk about it, they will. And if they don't, you'll totally know. And then don't don't feel bad or feel like you triggered them because it's just a process. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they didn't, they didn't forget. Like if you bring up, it's not like you brought something up that they weren't already thinking. Yes. Cause we think about our children every day, right? Like same with you. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. And I uh, personally, I like, I like to hear their names and stuff. I like people referring to them, their names, like Mm -hmm. as if they're real people and they're, they still feel like they're a part of their life in some way. Right. How, I, well, and I'm curious, how do you feel that way? Like, is there things that uh, you, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I, I think mostly the same as you is that 
understanding that most people are coming from a good place and they simply don't know what to say. Mm -hmm. But also I, I would say that when people said things to me that felt not like I didn't want them, I, I just got very confident in those moments and just kind of told them like, I don't want to, I don't want to hear that. Like, I don't want to, yeah. and thankfully, most, most people were really receptive and just kind of like, totally understand. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't think about it that way. And most of it would, most of it would be things like someone who is expecting or something around the same time or whatever would say things like, I feel so guilty or I feel so whatever. And uh-huh. but that makes me the person who's hurting now trying to comfort you. Oh yes. Right. Uh huh. So that was, those were the things that I kind of didn't like try to kind of educate people and on don't, you know, don't allow them to start supporting you. Like you're there to support them or don't talk about it at all. So yeah, no, that's very smart. I agree with that. Yeah. And again, coming from a good place, it comes from a, it comes from a place of just not knowing what to say and trying to empathize, but it's just not, it's just not helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 yeah, I totally agree. So that question, I always like never know, you know, because people ask, do you get that question asked a lot to you? Like, what do I say? Or how do I act? I do too. <laughs> yeah. And I, I feel like my answer has always been different, not different, but I don't know, mm-hmm. just maybe not what they were looking for. Cause I'm not, I'm not good at answering that question, I guess. I don't know. Well, it's okay. Everybody's different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what do you think if you were going to tell somebody, or if you were trying to educate somebody, what do you think is the hardest thing for people to understand about grieving more specifically grieving a child? What do you think people maybe don't know? I don't think people realize, and I didn't realize it till it happened to me. I don't think we realize that grief isn't linear. Like you can be sad and angry and accept it. Like it just is never, it's always flowing. Right. And it never goes away. And I don't think, but you can't, you almost can't even describe that to people. You can't explain that it doesn't go away. Cause I think about Bane every day, multiple times a day. And some days I'm accepting of my life. Like I accept everything. And then other days I'm so sad, you know, and, but then you, you do that in your home. Right. And so then you leave your home and you go up to people and they probably think, wow, she's doing so well. She's moved on, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, but there is no moving on. Like, oh. and I don't think, I don't think I even understood that description and I, I'm not even probably describing it correctly, but I know, you know what I'm saying? No. Yeah, completely. Yeah. But I can't describe it until you go through it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I think the, the not linear thing is something that I said a lot. Like you can feel, mm-hmm. you can feel accepting or excited and sad. Like mm-hmm. all these things are, and they're not instead yes. like four. Um, and then the, the length of time too, I think that has, to, that also is another trigger thing where again, this can happen here. I've I had one happen, a big one happen last summer and it would be five years. And, mm-hmm. and so it was shocking to everybody like uh, that, it, that saw it happen. And it was shocking to me because I completely didn't expect it, but I just, that's because it never goes away. <laughs> Yeah. I, and it's, and the thing is, is it shocks us. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, when it happens, we're like, Ooh, that was a big grief wave. Like yeah. I always say it shouldn't be called a grief wave. It should be called a tsunami. <laughs> yeah. Cause yeah. Wipes you out. And yeah, like it doesn't, it's not like it was in the beginning, but yeah, it's always there, you yeah, know, it's always there. It's always there, but it's over time. It's like, it's less intense all the time. Mm-hmm. 
and those yes. intense moments. Uh huh. Yep. And then you can still be like, I'm still very happy, right? Like I yeah. love my life. I love my children. I love everything about that. Mm-hmm. I just crave my son mm-hmm. that's not here. So yeah. he'll always be, as I look at my three children here, I'm always going to still miss so I can still love my life and be so happy and so joyful, but still miss my son all at the same time. Yeah, of course. Yep. So, and, and Bane's like journey to heaven or wherever you believe um, he went, Mm -hmm. uh, where, like, how, how long was that? How long was that drawn out sort of the process of kind of either it being relatively severe or knowing Mm -hmm. it was kind of imminent? How long do you think you were? Like, are you asking like when he was sick? Yeah. At the hospital. Okay. So let's see. So real quick, he got sick when he was five in November. That was his first trip to the ER. And then after that, for two years, he was sick on and off every few months. Like it could be two months. It could be four months. Like it wasn't Mm -hmm. a ton until the end. And then at the end, it seemed to be like once a month or, or a couple times a month or something, he right. would just get these really horrible stomach aches and he would end up vomiting and just not feeling well. And they usually happened at night, either right before bed or in the middle of the night. So, yeah. So by the time all that happened to where he really got sick, he, he actually got the stomach flu and that put his body into a crisis mode. Right. And so he, I was home with him obviously, and my two daughters, and he was sick, and he was sleeping, and I was thinking, he's sleeping because he's tired, right, like his body, he's fighting this bug, and um, all of a sudden, he just couldn't, he couldn't walk, and he couldn't talk anymore, and when I would, well, he could talk, when I would talk to him, his eyes weren't tracking me, and that's when I, I flipped out, and I thought, this is not okay, and we're a half hour from the hospital, so my four-year-old daughter helped me buckle him up. Like that's how severe it was. We drive to the hospital. My husband, we don't even say a word. He just opens the door. He met me at the hospital. He just opens the door, takes him in. He was at the first hospital for about six hours, I think. And then the second hospital, he got life flighted to a children's hospital. And then he was there for about five hours until they ran the correct test, which was checking his ammonia level. Mm -hmm. So from about that time, from the time we took him to the hospital, that was Wednesday afternoon. And then he passed away Friday evening. And well, I believe so his brain death test was Friday evening. So that's when they declared him. But I know his spirit left his body at 4am on Friday. So it wasn't he wasn't sick for very long. I always in my mind, I always think he probably was scared. You know, that's hard as a mom, right? But people tell me he probably didn't really know what was happening. But anyway, so it was really, it was quick, but like, we didn't get to say goodbye because he, you know, he went to his coma and yeah. And I really do believe, I believe 4am I was like, I jolted out of sleep and I knew like it was the weirdest feeling. And I called my husband because the doctors had called me. I was I was in the hospital. I never left the hospital, but I went and took a little nap because I was pregnant, so tired. Anyway, so the doctors had called me at my room and said, you need to come back. And so I called my husband and my husband's like, I just woke up like I know. And so I think that was him leaving, you know? And so, and then we did all the things you have to do 
at the end. And then, yeah, we left the hospital. Yeah, Friday. You know, I can't remember the times. I've always wanted to go and look back. I just haven't had, you know, the guts to go <laughs> look at all the timeline. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you like with other kids? I mean, you, you mentioned your four-year-old buckling him into the car. Like, how do you navigate that sort of, you know, really, really critical last sort of few days with him? Like, how do you navigate that as parents for him, but also for your, for your other kids and with them feeling safe as well? This is where I think for me, I know not everyone is this way, but this is where like spirituality comes in for me is I don't think we were alone. And I don't think my daughter, my kids were alone. And so my daughter, so when I had called my husband at 4am that Friday morning, he went and woke up my daughter because they said, you need to bring your children. It's time to say goodbye, say your goodbyes. And so when he went to get my daughter, my daughter like said some things to him that she should not know. And so I just think she's not alone. So this is where, yeah, I just, that spirituality comes into play. And I'm so grateful that there were angels with them or Bane was with them or somebody was with them. And then my other daughter, she was 18 months. And so people will say, oh, kids are too young. They don't know what's going on. And I a thousand percent disagree because my daughter, 18 months old, and she's a block away from the hospital and she's with my sister and she just cries, like just cries and cries. Like she knew, she knew her life was changing. She knew her brother was leaving. How she knew that, I don't know, you know, 18 months old. But then when boys his age would come over to the house to like say their goodbyes or give you their condolences and stuff, she would sob when they left. And she's 18 months. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So, yeah. That's, I don't know. I don't even know if that answered your question at all, but I just, I feel like we weren't alone. No, I, I think that's a great answer. And was your, was your faith affected by this? Like, did you, were you able to lean into it more? Were you, did you pull away? Did it kind of, is that when you found it the most? So I feel like I leaned into it more for yeah. sure. I grew up in a very like religious household, but like, I don't necessarily practice that religion anymore, but my spirituality part of everything grew. There are just, there's things that happen when you go through things like this, that I think if you pay attention, you see them. Cause I don't want to say I was looking for them. I feel like they landed in my lap, (laughs) you know, but I don't know. Like there's just things that have happened that you just can't explain. And so I know So, yeah, so I leaned very into it because then, and then you're searching, like in a sense, you're searching for like your, your child, right? Like you Mm want to fill them anyways. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I would say that my experience is very similar to that. So, okay. So that sort of leads us into sort of where you are now. So why don't you tell us a little bit about Bain's legacy and the awareness you're trying to spread regarding OTC and what you want the audience to know about that? Okay. Let's see. So after Bain died, we have some friends and one of them is a lawyer. And she said, I'm going to start this foundation in his honor. And I thought, great. (laughs) She said that. And I thought, okay. And then I thought, I don't know what I'm going to do with that, but yeah, that sounds great. Like, thank you so much. And then my cousin who I'm very close with said, I want to start a fundraiser. I want to raise awareness. And I thought, that's perfect. And you know, at the time, so Bane dies and I'm two months pregnant, Mm -hmm. like two, yeah, two months pregnant. 
And so I think that's great. But then at the same time, I'm thinking, did you know your daughter at, because you said your youngest daughter is a OTC carrier too, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you know at that time when you were pregnant or no? Uh, -uh. nope. So no, we didn't find that out because the interesting thing with Bain is they didn't totally know that he had OTC until mm -hmm. they did the genetic testing. But right. then like, there's this family line in Utah and Bain's genetic mutation. He's the one who found that sequence. Like they couldn't find it before because it's so mutated, which is hard for me to understand where he passed away, but it's so mutated that they didn't find it till him. So that's kind of crazy. But yeah, she, we didn't know till after when we all got tested, but anyway, so we get the foundation going, well, not going, we get it set up, but I don't do anything with it. And then my cousin says, let's do this fundraiser. And I thought, okay. And I kind of just put one foot in front of the other that whole time, because then I had my son June 18th, no, June 19th. And then we did the first fundraiser, like July 6th, mm -hmm. I think. And so I was just put my foot in front of the other, like not, I tried to help, but I wasn't really helping that much anyways. And then, yeah, I just had, my mom is a nurse and my aunt is a nurse and they thought, let's take the money that we raised at this first event from raising awareness. Let's take that money and let's build a, where they go to hospitals and they teach about okay. like OTC. Yeah. Anyways. And so we got all that done and everything. You, what'd you say? Like an educational resource. Yes. Oh. Yes. Yep. And so, cause a lot of the people that I have found, I don't know if you're the same way, but the people who have somebody pass away before, or usually that's how you find out you have OTC, right? Is there somebody in your yep. history yep. that anyways has passed away? So, so anyway, so we build this video, we do this event and then it kind of just, everything just started falling into place, mm -hmm. but I've had a lot of help and I'm so grateful for that. Every, like I have friends and I have family and they're all just like, let's rally behind you. Let's build this foundation into something. Let's give back. Let's raise awareness. And so, I mean, we're just a little foundation, but we're trying. So, yeah. and it's kind of nice because I get to keep Bane's memory alive yeah. by doing that. And yeah, I hope, I hope we end up saving somebody somewhere. I hope they come across it and they learn about Bane. They learn about OTC or any of the other urea cycle disorders. And I hope it saves somebody. Yeah, so. yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. uh, um, and OTC is one of the most common, right? Of the urea cycle yeah. one where yeah. only the mother needs to pass it. It's not like a recessive. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's X-linked. And so the reason, like you said earlier, that like some girls don't show signs and symptoms the way boys do is because girls have two X's mm -hmm. and boys have an XY. And so one of the girls X, like it can counteract the other X, yeah. the bad one. So, but yeah, some girls still get really sick. Like there's a story. Have you heard the story of Zoe? Anyway, she, she passed away. I don't know. There's a few, one girl, she was taking like protein drinks and got too much protein and she ended up passing away. And I don't know, it's a scary thing. Cause yeah, like with OTC, you have to have protein, but you can't have too much protein. And I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a balance, but what, like for females, once you know, you have it, mm -hmm. depend, you know, 
Obviously, yeah. there's a varying scale of how severe you have it, mm-hmm. but you can, it's generally manageable. It's just, but again, the, the intensity of your management yes. is based on your symptoms. So, yeah. Uh, so that's, yeah. It, yeah. For me too. Like it's, it, I have it and my mom has mm-hmm. it and I assume my grandmother has it and she has like six sisters. So mm-hmm. who knows, like, because her mother was, has passed. So mm-hmm. we, we don't know really, but yeah, it was my son. That was the one that sort of clued everybody in, but yes. And it's heart wrenching to have that happen to you, you know, like uh, my brother. So after Bane passed away, my brother, he is three years older than me. And he got tested and he's positive and it answered a lot of his like health questions. Mm-hmm. So now he's on medication for it, you know, cause it's very manageable once you know. Yeah. And so he's on medication and he watches his diet and all that. And so Bane essentially saved his life. Yeah. And he has four children. It's heart wrenching to me, but I mean, it'd be heart wrenching if it was my brother. So it's yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Your brother has OTC though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my brother's positive and he, so he had a couple of like weird, like a male, yeah. like an adult male, like, mm-hmm. like survive and not even know they have it. Right. So ours is late onset is yours classic. Yeah. Yeah. Who's born. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So ours is late onset. And so when I was in the hospital and Bane was in, in the hospital, um, the geneticist came up to me and he says, he goes, I found your family history line because of there's a male who was 60 when he passed away. So anyway, so we found the history line. And so we just had to go, we, we started doing like, like family tree, not ancestry. There's another one, but we started doing that. And so the lady that had, that's, that started our mutation of OTC, her name is Jane Wright Earl, and she had nine children and we have only found five of her like lineage lines Mm -hmm. so there's four more that we haven't found so but we're trying to do the history because that's one thing that was hard for me to understand is I thought why didn't anyone find me (laughs) you know because I wanted to know but with that being said there's two babies that recently passed away one in California one in Utah and their their parents don't have it it just mutated on them yeah so it's rare but it does happen yeah yes yeah. It, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a weird thing, a genetic disorder that you didn't know was there mm-hmm. until, mm-hmm. you know, and then, and then it's easy. It's not, I don't want to say easier cause it's still difficult to manage, but it's in the, in the yeah. sort of vein of like family planning, but yes. uh, it's easier to manage once like you personally know, like I felt vindicated personally when I found out a little bit because there's certain things that I, don't tolerate well and I, I was just always chalked up to being like a picky eater and having a sense uh-huh. of aesthetic and then, you know, <laughs> we can't tolerate right. that much protein yeah so very very interesting and I mean obviously heartbreaking but obviously he gave uh, a lot to give people a lot of information and mm-hmm. understanding so that's really special mm-hmm. uh, when you think about being today like years later what what comes to mind what what do you think about hmm. I just think he's just, he just has to be this little superhero. So I use this hashtag all the time when I like share things about Bane's legacy foundation and stuff like that. As I just, I use this hashtag 
like Bane's army. And then I use the hashtag seven year old superhero because he is just, he has to be a little superhero, right? Like to come and to like, I know everyone has different belief systems, but in my mind, I, I feel like I believe that he was only going to be here for seven years, you know? And so I don't know just to come and to do what he did and to leave the legacy he left behind and to be the one to do it. Like, I don't know. I just, I'm proud of him. Um, I, I still very much think that he is a part of our lives. I think he's with us because I've had many doors like close on me because we've, we got this educational video and then COVID hits. Right. And so like that, so we only went to one hospital, (laughs) like that's all we got done. And this door closes, but then these last couple months, like it's like other doors are opening. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I just feel like I might be working hard over here. My family's working hard over here. Our support system is working hard over here, but man, we have a support system over there. Like Bane has his own little army that's trying to help, you Mm -hmm. know? And so I don't know. That's when I think of him, I just think he's just this cute little superhero. So. <laughs> That's great. So what would, like, if anybody is struggling today, maybe with the loss of a child, what are some words of encouragement you would leave with them before you go? Just keep going. Like just put one foot in front of the other 10 minutes, like just make it through 10 minutes. And then like, that was some advice that I heard a little while ago. And I thought, what great advice just make it through that 10 minutes. And then once you get through that 10 minutes, then you can just focus on the next 10 minutes. Right. And so for me, I'm so lucky because I had my two little girls who pulled me out of bed every day, you know, cause other moms don't get that. I have a, a very good friend where her children were older when she lost her baby, her little girl. And she didn't have her kids that she had to get out of bed for cause they could take care of themselves. And so I'm very lucky because I had that. And so I just think, look for the thing that's going to like help you because it's going to be different for everybody. Right. And no one's going to save you, but you, like you have to turn inward. You have to just put one foot in front of the other, look for the positive. If you're mad or sad, feel mad or sad, and then figure out how to push through. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Great advice. So where can everybody find you and Bane's Legacy if they want to donate anything? Where can everybody find that? So we have um, a website. It's just baneslegacy.com. On Facebook, it's just Bane's Legacy. On Instagram, we're Bane's Legacy 19. I'm on Instagram the most. So if you want to watch our videos or you're just curious about his story or you want to ask questions, Instagram is probably the way to go. And then, yeah, if you want to donate to the cause, the website has a donate button. You could go ahead and do that. And yeah, just reach out. I love getting people's messages. I love when people ask questions about Bane. I'm an open book. Nothing's going to hurt my feelings. I shouldn't say nothing, but like your questions, that's not going to hurt my feelings. I feel like I am an open book and can handle stuff. So, but yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This was a great chat. I loved hearing more about Bane and your family and uh, all the awareness work that you're doing. So I really appreciate it. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in to From Heaven and Hope. 
If you found today's episode comforting, encouraging, and enlightening, I encourage you to leave a review and subscribe so you don't miss any of our new episodes. Please take care and know that you're never alone in this journey.